Sedan looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Touch that final. Got. Dang it. Every time. Every freaking time, man. Um, JC M. Jones here. From the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from 1919 The Game and Dirty South Soccer. And the Mothership sometimes as well is over there. And we could... Would anyone would anyone notice, Joe Patrick, if we took any of the previous like seven five-stripe finals from after a previous Red Bulls game and just mashed it all into this? Because it was the same goddamn thing. Now you're giving me ideas. Now I might go back and splice some of those in and see if uh, people can even pick out the moments of the show that uh, that are not from, what is it, July 12th here. Uh, yeah, because that was, I guess that's pretty much how these things typically tend to go with Atlanta and Red Bulls. That was, that was um, it's not exactly what you had playing in your head when you imagine soccer resuming and Atlanta United going out there and dominating and scoring five goals and it being so fun and uh yeah that's not what happened that's not what happened but it was you know afterwards there were people angry and that really made me feel good that really made me feel like soccer was back oh, yeah, some guy was did. some guy tweeted about like frank lighting a fire on up their ass or something <laughs> i don't know what it was. i don't remember exactly what he said but all i remember was that it was glorious and it was like sports <laughs> fans back if we can if we can take the time to get upset about maybe the most meaningless regular season games to to ever exist in MLS uh then yeah we're 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 doing all right we're doing all right we're we're back to to somewhat normal anyway um i don't know it's kind of nice to be bummed again about a sports thing as as you know i'm a liverpool fan i haven't had anything to be bummed about as far as that goes but <sighs> Other well, than, uh, you know, you know, yeah. we're, we're back. We're back. Atlanta United back. The the thing is, like, um, <clears throat> yeah, you 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 spend all this time during this hiatus, and you just try to think about because the only way you can like make yourself sane is by thinking about the team doing well and the team performing in like this vision you have in your head that is like the ideal Atlanta United or what you want to see at least coming out of it. And the whole time in the buildup, we talk about like, oh, like why might Atlanta United do well coming out of this hiatus? What advantages might they have over the opponent? Like all these things, because you're just trying to build up your own kind of, it's not esteem, (laughs) but you're just trying to like build yourself up somehow because you have nothing else to hope for and dream for during this, uh, terrible hellscape that we're currently living in so i think it's only natural to kind of get yourself hyped up and then you get a scoreless or a your team doesn't score a goal and lose the game and that's just that's just fun yeah, george bellow almost scored <laughs> that was a like lot the best of magical part. it was it was the, the single really positive part um and then he got roasted by brad kazam later for getting forward too much so you know i feel bad uh, i feel bad because i asked brad that question i was like kind of going for him to be like played well yeah (laughs) (laughs) almost got his goal um all that stuff yeah i I do think he was kind of at fault for that initial goal though um where uh velo kind of glided behind meza and bello was just nowhere really in the vicinity to uh tracking back to try to close down that space and below had all the time in the world to pick his finish and uh put the ball past Kazan. So that was unfortunate. Unfortunate for George. But I mean again, I thought he was playing really well. Like I, I said at halftime, I would have liked to have seen the team like change the shape somehow to allow him to move further forward and uh allow him to use more of that attacking threat that he was posing. Cause I felt like he was one of the best um attacking threats that Atlanta had in that first half, which was just a really weird half. Well, I mean, Brad talked about just the difference when you get to playing against adult men, essentially, you know, and and the biggest thing that was clearly apparent was George and his inability to track back last night, 
Which, like, I have this weird idea in my head now, and I, I've been thinking it for a second. Are we sure he's a left back? Are we sure? Are we positive on that? Good question. It's a good question. I don't his, know. I, I've talked to his youth coach, and his youth coach is like adamant that he's not a left back. He's like, it's a waste to put him at left back. <laughs> Which I is, mean, I mean, maybe it's true. He because he was a center. Uh, he was a central midfielder uh, as a youngster in his academy, and that's typically, mm-hmm. from what I've found, that's typically where the best players tend to play in central midfield because when you're a youth team, that's where those are the players that are going to get the most touches. That's the way you can try to, that's where you can put a player who can try to impact the game the most. Um, But his technique is very good and Mm -hmm. he has the ability to make things happen in the final third. It's kind of reminds me of, and I don't want to kind of, Obviously, this is like a different level comparison. I know where you're going with it. When I first started following Tottenham, Gareth Uh Bale was a left back. And he was an attacking left back. Everybody knew that like his best attributes were to go forward. And Harry Redknapp eventually, you know, made it happen so that he could play on that left wing. And he put, just put a left back behind him. And he just continued to go and score more goals and improve and improve. And over time, he becomes like a freaking center forward, like essentially like a striker. So um, who knows what's going to happen with George Bellow? I wouldn't be surprised if his if we if if he were to somehow change positions but i just do think that um playing left back i think is going to be the best place the the easiest way for him to get a lot of minutes uh at the mls level right now because of all the high price players and stuff that you buy in those attacking positions on the wings and that kind of thing but you're not the only one to think that well i mean it even got to the point last night when he was so clearly the only one capable of doing anything getting forward, or maybe the only one that Red Bull's really allowing to kind of, you know, have any kind of space. But the, during the, the water break they had at about 30 minutes, you know, Frank said, get the ball to George, you know, play it over the top. And, and first thing they came out and, and tried to play it over the top to George. Um, so it's weird, man. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm starting to like go full conspiracy theory with that and, and really start preaching that, no, no, we've got to, We've got to move him up somehow. Um, I love because it. Because that's, that's, that's way more fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, well, way the more thing fun. That I, we were kind of talking about this in the Slack last night, but like the thing I like is just like how he passes the ball and then moves past an opponent so that he can receive Which is such the ball a again. Basic like ideally, thing. you want players to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that magical pass and move thing um, that he <laughs> tends to do that a lot of other players don't do for whatever reason. So, yeah, that's fun. That's always fun. Oh man! Well, that was kind of a bright spot. Um, at the same time, it was kind of a mixed bag. But I, I, I should yeah. add just to give more background into Bello playing left back. The reason he was at left back is because when he was with a U.S. men's national team uh, or a youth national team tournament or something during a summer when he was like fourteen or fifteen, they just they needed a left back one day, and like the coach was like, "Okay, you're left footed. You'll play left back today." And then I think he like became like the player of that tournament or like just like really had a breakout tournament in that position. And so that's why he's been a left back. So it's not like mm. he's been mm. <laughs> he was like training his whole life to, you know, refine himself in this one specific role. You know, I, I think that he has a ton to offer. And also, I would say, too, he is so much more than just his pace. Like, I think that, that that's something I've heard people say, like, oh, he's just, like, crazy fast. <clears throat> but I think, yeah, he's got a lot more to his game than just than just the speed. I think that yeah. um, he's got great technical ability. And he, he was putting in good balls, too, I thought. Uh, good service, smart, intelligent player. You know, Tony, I was working on it with uh, Kyle Soto, who did a really good piece on uh, the Academy, and he was talking mm-hmm. to Tony Anon. And Tony had a great quote in his piece. If anybody hasn't seen it, go uh, check it out on Dirty South Soccer. Um, and he said that he's like, George is the only one who I've seen at like 15 years old or 16 years old and known that he was going to be a pro, uh, which is saying something. Tony Anon sure. has been around a lot, a lot of soccer players, especially in this country. I, I, I would trust that he knows what he's talking about. And despite, you know, Guzan knows that he's got to be better in his role defensively at times, but I've got... I, I, last night even just solidified my belief in that he's going to be like a really, really, really good player. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting that people kind of go to the pace thing and, and we could talk about maybe the reasons for that. But um, it, I've never really thought of, you know, him as being exceptionally fast or anything like that. But I definitely know he's a kid who's very 
bright and processes things really well. You know, um, I, I think he just processes the game very quickly. And, and sometimes I think maybe he's thinking too much and maybe that's where he gets called out, you know, uh, and, and that will change. I think as he gets older and learns to understand it a little better, but he's just making good decisions position wise and everything like that. He, he's getting into space when he's getting forward. Um, it, it, as soon as he learns to kind of pair that with, you know, the rest of it, if he mm-hmm. continues to play left back, which I'm going to start like a, a covert campaign to like get him <laughs> up at like a center forward spot by the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to like, like I'm going to like subconsciously bully Josh Bagriotsky into like writing like a 30,000 words tactic piece for DSS on George Bellow and why he should move up. And it's it's going to be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> y'all get to work on that. Yeah, you the listeners of Five Strike Final. Um I don't know. It's interesting that I, I mean, he has enough potential to have us talking about him for the first like ten minutes of a loss, you know, <laughs> which is which is interesting because there were there were a whole lot of problems that were not George Bellow last night. For sure, yeah. Um, the shape was uh, interesting. What <laughs> yeah, right. What like it? that's been the <laughs> yeah that's been the the rhetorical kind of response to that. I continue to think that like this team is better off in a back four than a back three. Although I clearly disagree with Frank DeBoer on that based yep. on like, you know, the, the formations that he keeps on putting out there. And he continues to say that he thinks that the personnel on the team is more amenable to a back three than a back four. But um, I just feel like okay. I felt like last night, especially was a great demonstration of how, that shape was like not very efficient. It felt like there was a lot of work that had to be done by Atlanta that they weren't super comfortable with in trying to build the play initially from the back. And then like once they were able to get the ball forward into the attacking third, then you have to like get bodies forward to get players in the box because when you're in a back three, you know, that's one extra guy that's further back at, you know, you know closer to your own goal so like oftentimes it would be like franco escobar making a sprinting run up the field Mm -hmm. and then the ball turns over and then he's got to sprint all the way back and it was just like it just felt very like lopsided it almost felt to me like if you have like a a tub full of water and it's like the water all gush like slushes to one side and then it becomes like (laughs) very difficult for it all to like go back the other way Mm -hmm. and you're just constantly in this state of like rocking back and forth and you never it never really felt like Atlanta was like in stable control over the game, even though Frank said that he thought that the team didn't generally control the game. It just felt like Atlanta, especially in the first half, was never really controlling things. Which brings up the point, how much did Atlanta miss Darlington Nagby last night, which is a ton. Yeah, a ton. And Frank said after the game, he thought Emerson Heineman did well to fill that same sort of role um sure i guess I, I i didn't really you know i'm not sure how much i buy into that of course initially i thought he said that mo adams was going to fill that role um which mo is not a possession player i don't think <laughs> um from from what little we've been able to see of him um really the, the entire that midfield too was kind of a mess last night until and you know take it with five million grains of salt you know this is coming from but until jeff lernowitz got on it kind of said he Things just a little bit anyway, which I thought was really interesting. And, and maybe that's only in a limited time. You know, he only got 20, 30 minutes. But Jeff comes on, Zeke comes on, and it kind of started to look a little better. It did. Lorenowitz was impressive. It made He reminded me kind of of like, um, especially the state that he's in in his career right now, it reminds me as a Tottenham fan of like late stage Dembele, where he like, <laughs> is a, he's like this like physical player reads the game really well, can like win second balls just based on kind of the way he's able to read the game and, and be in a good position to uh, win a ball or use his body to shield off a def- uh, an opposing player and uh, and that kind of a thing. But he can't move, obviously, mm-hmm. um, quite like he used to be able to. And it's just kind of a, it's a shame. And again, you're right. Like, who knows? Maybe it was largely down to the fact that Red Bulls were kind of dropping deeper and deeper as that second half wore on, and they were just trying For to sure. kind of protect that that goal lead that they had a little bit. But I liked what I saw from Jeff. I I just it's a shame I just don't have any confidence that he'd be able to like start a game and actually play seventy minutes 
75 minutes. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe the plan is to kind of rotate some of those central midfielders, like maybe play, maybe start Lorenowitz in the next game, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the second half of the show. But I just thought that, again, kind of going back to the instability of the team in their shape, I just thought it required a ton of running from Mo Adams and Emerson Hyman. And mm-hmm. I think that Nagby was a huge miss last night. I think that Atlanta United really could have used a player like him. And like, there's like a, a positive feedback loop when you have a guy like Nagby, because not only are you able to control the game and do the things that you want to do in possession and that kind of a thing, but then by being able to do that, you're not expending energy doing all these things that Atlanta United was doing last night in terms of like running up the field, losing the ball, running all the way back. Um, you're able to kind of preserve yourself a little bit more, and that has just added benefits. It was a mess. That's my take. <laughs> oh, man. Um, God, you, what I, was just like, keep, I, I just keep coming back to the 343, and man, it's just, it just continues to feel, you know, square peg, round hole kind of thing. And I, I just don't understand why. Why Frank is is so committed to it? It's like a dad who like has gone the same way to like a family vacation spot forever, and then one day his kid, his like twelve year old kid, pulls out an iPhone and types in fastest route to Myrtle Beach, right? And it comes up with a route that's like two hours faster, and the dad goes, "No, no, no, we're going the normal way," and he won't really say why yeah but we know why it's because it's the one thing that gives him control in life anymore <laughs> <laughs> well like it felt like a four it, it felt like a three four two because where the hell was Mateus Rosetto like I just feel like he never found Dude. the game like and I couldn't find him either like where the hell <laughs> somehow he had like a ton of touches yeah but... that's what I was about to say in like that first half Doug Roberson checked in with the ATL comm staff and was like, how many touches for, for Castro and Hazetta? And it was like, Hazetta somehow had like 35 touches and Castro had 15. And I went, that sounds backwards for some yeah. reason. Yeah. I, totally. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it at all. Totally. Um, of it, course, it not was, to mention the fact really weird. that I checked like, the heat maps afterwards and you could see yeah. his average position was actually quite deep. It was like, he was very close to, Emerson Hyman and Mo Adams. It was not really. If you look at the the heat maps, it was. It looked much more like a kind of a a three five two, I guess you would call it. Um, with Rosetto playing like centrally between Mo Adams and uh, and Emerson Hyman, just a little bit higher than him. I'm I'm uh, I'm pulling up his passing because I want to say that his passes were all just like these like little short touches that like weren't actually yeah i mean most of his touches were definitely in atlanta's own half which i i think that that probably says something like i feel like you need him if you already are playing with three central defenders you need a player like rosetto to be a guy who's playing or getting his touches and making things happen up in the final mm-hmm. third not like in your own half like again it just felt like atlanta was too like congested in those areas. And then when they would break through, everybody would be storming forward, trying to get into the box and that kind of thing. So yeah. just a weird night. I, I think that's where you miss Zeke a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zeke would have probably done better. Uh, it would, would have definitely done better in that kind of role. I think um, the, the only person really interested in creating anything last night was PT Martinez. And every time he did Castro, kicked it off his own foot or something like that, you know. Um it was there were two horrific misses, man. It, it really I'm looking at the XG and there are just two big old dots <laughs> right near the goal and and they're both Castro. They did not go in. Frank called them 100% chances. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't think Incredible. he meant like it should be a goal 100% of the time, but I think he was saying like it you don't get better chances really or you can't ask for a better opportunity to score yeah. than those ones. And yeah, I think you could look at Castro two ways. He's obviously been a guy who came under a lot of criticism since that game because of those misses. I think on the one hand, you do have to give him a little bit of credit for at least getting himself into those positions. And I think that 
by doing that, he was kind of proving Frank right in why he wanted to start him, which was that he, Castro, he liked the way he was running, essentially. Uh, when we talked to Frank before the game, he was like, uh, I like what Castro offers because he wants to make the runs. He wants to make the runs beyond the, the defenders. You know, like a lot of that tireless running that is, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to ask some players, especially like very star players like Ezekiel Barco, Pitti Martinez. Like you don't want them necessarily making those runs all the time be- and, and just kind of draining themselves physically by doing so. Obviously, those runs can obviously can be kind of decoyish. Um, and Castro did that kind of, that did that work and he got into his goal scoring positions, but we just, you know, we know he's not a, he's not a striker. And so you just mm. hope that next time he gets in those positions, the ball doesn't hit him in the ankles. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Oh, um, the ball was hitting him. He was not hitting the ball. The ball was <laughs> hitting him. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. I, and I, yeah. and to, to just have a word on pity, I thought that it was, uh, um, just like a really gutsy performance from him. It's not like it was, it probably wasn't his vintage stuff, but it was exactly what the team needed in a game like that, where Mm -hmm. it was just a tough game. It was just a tough game to kind of play in. There was obviously some gelling that still needs to happen with, you know, getting the, the combination play fluid in that final attacking third. And he was just doing everything he could, everything he possibly could to try to get the team in, in a, position to score goals he was serving in a bunch of good crosses drawing mm-hmm. fouls in dangerous positions um i thought that he got fouled several times that wasn't called just doing a lot of dirty work and uh he was putting in some hard fouls himself too i thought that it was a uh, kind of a, a different kind of performance from him uh, but it's the kind of performance that atlanta's going to need especially with a guy like joseph martinez missing yeah, PT more than anyone was trying to take that square peg and just just shove it in yeah. as much as he could, um, even though it, it clearly wasn't working from the beginning. But I mean, just to see him continue to give a shit is awesome, <laughs> right? Really, <that's> a, honestly, <laughs> totally. um, you know, it, I wrote about this for for the mothership, but I, I describe it as like your friend who like all of a sudden starts listening to like only self-help podcast and is like constantly recommending self-help podcasts and just never <laughs> fucking shuts up about the self-help podcast but like they're changing their life around so you're like okay this is cool this is good i like i'm glad you're waking up i'm glad you're doing intermittent fasting i'm glad you're on Cato. let's do this so like oh um, and it doesn't matter that like every third word out of your mouth is praxis because you're doing it you're doing it i'm proud of you <laughs> um so like i'm I like genuinely like it was super encouraging to see him him do that you know um and, and really get into it um and if we get more of that um eventually there's gonna be some kind of breakthrough there i think but it would be great to have people get on the other end and actually finish those things i think it was the most amazing thing last night that kind of had the most amazing thing i saw was that atlanta united had more had a higher expected goal tally than the Columbus crew, who won 4 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Columbus, if they, you know, that's not to say that there, there are lots of things that play into that. Like the fact mm-hmm. that Columbus crew could pretty much stop playing after they scored that fourth goal. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they could have wrecked up a higher XG if they wanted to. I'm sure they could. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think it does underscore the fact that Atlanta United had chances. And just because they didn't score a goal in that 90-minute stretch doesn't mean that Everything is shit. Everything is terrible. Right. You know, it's just they didn't happen to score the goals last night, and they might do it next game. So that's soccer. That's that's why we all watch, right? Like you don't know soccer exactly how hard. it's going to play out. Yeah, I, I saw you post the other day too. The uh, that that Brian uh, Phillips article about soccer's crushing boredom again. Yeah. That, that that's a good read. Y'all go check that out. Um, but it's just fresh. It's just freaking Red Bulls again, man. It, it's every time. It's just every time it seems like it. And this time, <laughs> instead of like Penny Feather Farthington the third, it was Florian below, which like you can't even be upset about. You know, <laughs> was, they were like uh, making a big deal about a Dartmouth guy that or a Colgate guy who came in because like Rob Stone, I guess went to Colgate. Oh shit, or really? And, oh man, it was funny. It was amazing. Funny. Um. But yeah, no, Florian Below coming Somebody off gave back us a shout ACL out. Tears. Somebody was like, "There's your, uh, there's your Dartmouth guy." Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that now. It was like Preston something, some <laughs> something like that. Um, 
But yeah, no, like coming off back-to-back ACL tears, we let that dude score on us yeah. uh, for the first time since 2018. And apparently he's like super likable or whatever, but you know, I didn't care in that moment. Um, but I don't know. I want to get your take on this. And it's just something that I kind of noticed. I thought Red Bulls were, they were still pressing last night. It definitely wasn't the 2018 playoff game, but I thought they were very much more focused on triggers last mm-hmm. night. And I thought it was super interesting to see, and we got to kind of listen in on their their team talk too during some of the the breaks um, there, where he was like, you know, as soon as the six gets it, you know, yeah, Chris Armas was like, hey, when the ball gets down to the six, <laughs> that's when he's that's when he, that's when you close down Miles Robinson, and everyone's like nodding, you know, and like the Atlanta United players like got it, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought it was super interesting and I thought they executed really, really well uh, as far as that goes. Uh, anytime those triggers come up, they're very much in sync with it. It looks very not out of sorts. Um, and when they do that, they're, they're really good. The thing I liked about what Red Bulls did last night is that if you're, even if you're, if your plan is to not maybe press as intensely as you normally would, um, to at least come out the gates like that. And I think that they, they kind of set a tone early and mm-hmm. it obviously helped them create that goal by just like creating a lot of chaos in the game early on. Uh, Atlanta United, like they, they really just set a tone with the pressing and the, I think it put a little bit of question mark into some of the players uh, at the back, some of the center backs and trying to, you know, they're never comfortable when's their first game being played in four months or whatever. I'm sure they mm-hmm. would have liked a lot more time to just like, touch the ball at the back, pick their passes, that kind of thing. And I thought it was really smart from the Rebels to come out the gates and not let them do that because the effects of doing that in the first 10, 15 minutes of a game can have ramifications in the 50th minute, even though even if you're not doing it the same way as you were at that point. Like, you're just putting, planting some doubt in their minds um, that can have a larger carryover effect. So I, I thought it was very well managed game by chris armis and listen like we give chris armis a ton of shit (laughs) because it's funny and because i think i think we do that though because it was so out of character right because he's not exactly right that's he's like a really talented manager he gets it he executes the system pretty well for the most part it's that he's not jesse marsh i mean i don't think any not a not many people are jesse marsh right now which is wild to think about um you know he's gonna keep climbing but it was so out of character and just so weird and, and such just a galaxy brain decision, um, you know, but he owns us. Other than that, he owns us. That team owns us. And there's nothing like we can do at this point except be angry about it and do crappy podcast about it. So <laughs> that's, right. that's that's our reality. That's our world. There are dads. They are dad. We, we just have and to it, take it on Twitter. Like the memes are just coming at us. Yeah, we, we were like, uh, you just have to like like it, you know? Yeah, <laughs> anger like it, like <laughs> quietly golf clap it in your home. I respect uh, Rebels Twitter, to be perfectly honest. I do, and I've said this before. Like I don't but like it's them, Orlando but I do respect Twitter. them. It's Orlando Twitter with a liberal arts degree from Monmouth. <laughs> And that just means they have that same level of like aggression in Napoleon complex, yeah. but they have memes right. and they're creative about it. <laughs> and I'm totally, I'm, I'm, I'm so okay with people giving me shit if it's creative. Totally. Like, come on. Right. Like the Orlando folks are always like, oh, I hate you and I hope you die. But uh, Red Bulls folks are like, here's the, here's the African funeral guys dancing meme you know yeah do um, some video yeah. editing you know like how is exactly. that too much to ask for <laughs> put some effort into it crank up something crank up one of the adobe suites and and get at me that's all i need right um i i genuinely wonder though like what is the point where so <laughs> to make our first college football reference um nice. We we can do we can do either of our teams your team would be on the good end of it my team would not be uh, there was a long time there. Georgia didn't beat Florida uh, more than twice in a row for like, it was like 17 years. I think they won three times in like 17 years or something like that. Ohio State has beaten Michigan uh, 15 times out of the last 16 years, I think it is. Something like that, yeah. Um, at, at what point do you kind of get to the, the level where it's like, okay, we, we are never going to beat this team? And it psychologically starts to affect you. Because Georgia would go down to Jacksonville and lose to Florida teams that were clearly terrible and clearly worse than them. And Michigan has lost to some Ohio State teams, and they're better than 
You know, it, it gets in your head. And, and I the wonder other how much that's going to start to go with the this. other interesting parallels. It's not like like in college football, you know, players are around for four years and then they're out of there and you've got new players coming in. And so it's not mm-hmm. like it's the same players during this whole course of an era of, you know, this happening. Mm-hmm. It does seem like there's something more ingrained like in the <laughs> yeah in the superstructure of uh of the rivalry and yeah I, I don't i don't know i would love to like kind of learn more about this from like a from a player's perspective to like get inside their minds and like what are they thinking about when they are in these kinds of situations where they like have bad juju against the team or or mm-hmm. whatever um it's fascinating to me that this kinds of things happens in sports absolutely but the thing is zero percent of them who are currently on the roster are going to answer any of that truthfully (laughs) (laughs) they're not going to be like they own us we we don't know what to do i'm frightened of them i see i see daniel royer in my dreams at night and he's hot and that really scares me why is he so hot in my dreams um yeah shoot man um i I found myself practicing saying mule last night mule yeah yeah well, like they, so, John Strong started talking about how he had been saying it wrong the first year, and he had been he had it's been saying mule, it's mule right? and where it's yeah. mule, and I started saying mule out loud in my apartment last night, and then I was like, "Wow, I'm saying mule out loud. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing?" Hard cut to Frank DeBoer just like sitting in a dimly lit room, going back and forth, saying mule over and over again. <laughs> There was one oh. shot of Frank DeBoer in the game last night where he was like sitting on a cooler or something, or maybe it was just in his chair. Uh, but he, it was the most Dutch pose <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Like his arms were crossed and he was like crouched over. It was just bizarre and amazing at the same time. I loved everything about everything that happened last night, despite the fact that Atlanta lost or whatever. I just thought it was, it was just, just like, tugged at my heartstrings everything that happened the the fighting the anger, the, pain. the all of it beauty in the pain joe beauty in the pain let's make this pain useful and let's go to a break and before we get back into the show i did want to give a shout out to the presenting partner of five stripe final which is lucid fc fc standing for footwear and clothing not football club because they sell footwear and clothing and now Face masks that you can buy, which I please ask everybody to wear a face mask when you go out. It's not weird. It keeps us all safe. It probably keeps yourself safe, even though the medical professionals don't seem to want to say that. Uh, I'm not a medical professional, by the way, but it seems like a mask is probably the the, the way to go when you go out until we get a vaccine for this COVID-19 thing. And you can get one for 10 bucks from Lucid FC. They're really cool, made out of soft fabrics. And the best part about this is that they've set up a partnership with a number of hospitals around the world to provide face masks for them. So when you purchase one, they donate four of them to healthcare workers. So you're not only doing yourself a favor, but you're doing a favor to people all around the world. The mask forms a nasal passage and it complements your face contours and it looks cool. So you can get different styles, all that kind of stuff, three times layered, washable, and you can reuse them. So it's definitely an investment that you would want to make, and you can get free shipping if you use code DSS at checkout. Just enter DSS for Dirty South Soccer at checkout. Or if you want to check them, swing by their place. They're local. They're in Buckhead, so you can uh, just pick yours up at the curb. Um, they have like a touchless pickup uh, at their studio, and it's right down the middle of Buckhead. So you can do that if you want as well. So please check out Lucid FC, and with that, we will get on with the show. Incredible, Adri. Just incredible. Wow. It's like... It's like listening to James Earl Jones quietly read you the novels of Ernest Hemingway. Just pleasant, just enjoyable. And probably like, I don't know, maybe not enough gender equity there, but still pretty good. Um, <laughs> are we keeping that? Yeah, we're keeping yeah, that. Let's move we're on. We're keeping it. Uh, perfect. Um, Y'all had a bunch of questions. We were able to get in the questions and in time and actually kind of look at them. But first, we just wanted to give a quick little look at uh, the next game, which is Cincinnati. What day is that on, Joe Patrick? Uh, I want to say Thursday. Thursday, probably. I don't know either. (laughs) We can look it up, probably. Um, I wasn't too forward thinking after last night, uh, but 
we can go ahead and do our Cincinnati preview uh, real quick. They're bad. They're real yeah. bad at soccer. How, yeah, it's Thursday, uh, 9 a.m., the morning game. Enough. It was like I felt bad for them just listening to the announcers in the game last night be like, <laughs> listen, like talk about they're kind of talking about the crew, but they were like, listen, FC Cincinnati is not good. <laughs> just, it was like it was so like I can't imagine being an FC Cincinnati fan like listening to that. Like mm. it's not even like they're talking about you in like a critical way. They're just totally dismissing you, like like dismissing you as a team yeah. as as and as like, any entity that has prospects in this thing. What do you think of FC Cincinnati? I don't is the answer mm. to that, <laughs> right? Like, and right. that's just so much more hurtful. So much more hurtful. Um, new manager, obviously, Job Stam, a uh, big bald guy. Uh, pick any bald guy, really, and you, you might be right. Um, well, Frank has and, definitely not talked to before this tournament. Can confirm for Frank. Uh, I don't think you were in this press conference, but it was we. I was getting a kick out of it with Felipe because Felipe, um, during one of these press conferences that we've had over the last couple of weeks with Frank, you know, Felipe, very nice guy. Very politely, friendly asked Frank, you know, oh well, you know, your 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 former teammate, uh, Yap Stam is uh, is uh, MC Cincinnati is uh, at MC Cincinnati. Have you uh, had any conversation? And like Frank cut him off mid mid question was like, I have not talked to Yank Stam Yap Stam. <laughs> it was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then uh, I had the next question, and I was like, playing the cards close to the vest, okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's like some very, very normal, normal beef they have from like, I don't know, some random ass card game in like 1997. I feel like it's it's so Dutch to like have like these like little bitter feuds with one another. Mm -hmm. It's like the thing that has been, there's like a long running thing with uh, Louis Van Hall and Johan Cruyff. Perfect. These, These two guys are definitely on the same two, the same level. Frank and Frank and Frank apparently and it was like uh, it was odd the way he denied <laughs> that they just <laughs> talked at all like it would have been totally normal if you had but Frank's not a normal guy so no 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 um but yeah no it uh Columbus made them look terrible maybe worse than they actually are but shoot they're bad they're just bad um that yeah, Columbus I don't, I team don't... still at very least is worrying but that's later on the road I don't even know how to analyze them really other than that to say that they don't have a a style or any kind of principles on which they play yeah my analysis my analysis continues to be that i feel bad for greg garza and that's my whole thing so bad that's my whole thing i miss him that's like the one thing about playing in mls is like he gets traded and yeah, or or picked or whatever. You know, it was like an expansion thing where it's like yeah. if you were playing in any other league, you ha- you as the player have a lot more control over your future. And like in MLS, with it not being single entity, it's just you never know where you could head off to. Brandon Vasquez, same way. He got he got picked yeah. and uh, traded to them in the most recent expansion draft. So two guys that have kind of had to leave Atlanta through through that way. So yeah, yeah tough for them. And then I think that their big <laughs> I striker uh, Jurgen Lucadia. Uh, is yeah, not he was hit. hurt. He's hurt. Yeah. yeah. So that's a tough one for, for FC Cincy. For sure. For sure. I remember Garza left to like two days after the parade. Yeah. It was, it was miserable. I felt terrible. I, I, I miss him deeply. Um, but yeah, there's your, there's your FC Cincinnati preview. If they don't get, if Atlanta doesn't get three points, then something's broke. Yeah. Something's broke. That would be. And Twitter's going to break and it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be real. I, I've said this before, but sometimes I have more fun in the losses being on social media yeah. than the wins. Um, like last night, I got to write this weird, like prosy thing about a father and a son looking up at the moon. And that cracked me up personally. <laughs> I really enjoyed doing that. Um, it. it I'm not sure. I'm not sure any of that whimsical, like aloofness, is going to come through if they lose to Cincinnati. It might just be pure rage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be taken a lot differently if, if it was uh, that situation against FC Cincy. But that's exactly what I was talking about when I kind of rambled on about how I thought last night was great. Like, even though they lost, hearing the angry voices on Twitter and stuff is honestly 
it's not fun is probably not the right no. word, but it like it makes me feel something that other people are feeling things, even if those things are anger <laughs> and rage. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you guys got a lot of your anger and rage out in these questions. It looks like um, <laughs> oh, mostly all negative. Not uh, no 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 no. Our, our listenership is devoted and enjoys everything we've ever ever done, um, including that Michael Parker's Chili's episode that I'm going to keep bringing up until someone acknowledges its brilliance. Um, but we've covered a lot as we kind of often do, um, because we are not for the people anymore on the show or for ourselves. <laughs> that changed about <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Where have y'all been? That changed with a quickness. Um, yeah, it did, really. Um, so, a lot of it is snarky, like ATL Greg 1 asks, is our formation really just a 0 10 0? Um, it, it's not a bad point, honestly. It did kind of just seem like a blob. It really did, man. I, I, and even like people like Felipe, who are, you know, not really negative humans, you know, were saying it looks like they just don't know what this shape is and, and what they're supposed to be doing. And you would think after a month of training, they would at least have, you know, some kind of idea. Yeah. The shape, I, I, I kind of uh, describe it as like 3XX. It's like three <laughs> at the back and then kind of wherever Which guys flu- are fl- after that. <laughs> Fluidity is fine, but you kind of have to have a basis for that. And you kind of have to know what those positions are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they clearly don't mm-hmm. right now. They clearly don't. Yeah. And especially, again, when you're trying to work in guys, they were working in a lot of players last night who don't normally, who haven't typically played first-team minutes for mm-hmm. Atlanta United. George Bello, Mo Adams. Mo, I mean, Mo Adams has been like a sub-type, but it's not like he has extensive minutes with Atlanta United. Manuel Castro, Mateus Rosetto, um, just lots of guys. Uh, Brooks Lennon is playing in one of his, you know, he isn't, hasn't yeah. played for Atlanta United for very many games. I mean, he played in some early in the season, but even these guys, like you, you think right now we're in a situation where like Brooks Lennon feels like an established <laughs> Atlanta United player at this yeah. point when he's played like five games for the club and again zero in the last four months, just like everybody else. So to an extent, I kind of have some sympathy for why tactically it was um, it was messy. But again, like you, you would think that in training, the one thing you can nail down is kind of tactics and rules mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and it's it's harder to it's harder to develop the the smaller like improvisation and combination and that kind of thing but yeah it was uh not the greatest not the greatest shape <laughs> well we have a we have a question about zeke and kind of how he would have affected things in general and it's from turner kirby um but he just asked if the scoreline would be different if barco played the full 90 and i have a follow-up question um did we get a did we get an answer on why Zeke was on the bench to start. I don't think anybody asked, interestingly no, enough. Oh, that, okay, this, uh, this is interesting to me. Hang tight here and put on your tinfoil hat. I love um, it. Is, are, Zeke's, are Zeke's minutes, I'm, gonna, I'm like going to whisper this, are Zeke's minutes being, being shortened because he's gone? For Eric Lopez? <laughs> oh, I don't think that's the case. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I do think Barco will probably leave in the winter. Um, I yeah. don't see him. There's just, the rumors haven't been hot enough, like this off season, for to think that he's going to be going. Uh, yeah, this. some radio station in Argentina would have that. Yeah, immediately, you would right, right. I mean, we've got some Google alerts set up, and one of them has been for Ezekiel Barco, and like we got like the Spanish language ones too. So um, we're, we're yeah. getting them from all countries and all languages. And it's just like, <laughs> there's not really anything that seems like it's hot or recurring that would signal that he's on his way out. Personally, there were some pictures that came out of, of oh, the God. training ground. Yeah. Not, not, not anything nefarious. There were, there oh, was, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to think about who we're talking about here. here. Hey, were, well, listen, when there's, the team there's first, when the team first came back to training, Barco and Remedi uh-huh. oh. <laughs> did not look like they dealt super well with the stay-at-home lockdown situation uh-huh. Uh-huh. in terms of like diet and nutrition and that kind of thing. 
Eric Rometty just like sadly pounding a thing of cheese whiz by itself and then asking himself, am I eating because I'm bored? Like me, by the way, I should yeah. say. Let me be the first uh, to put that out there. That like I like my eating habits have been the worst. I will challenge anybody to that during the COVID. But um, <laughs> that is my I'm trying to like say this as politically correct as possible. But I think uh, fitness was an issue for both Barco and Remedy. That's my guess. And the fact that, Completely like, fair. again, you got lots of games coming up, and these guys haven't played minutes, so I would actually expect those players to start in the next game against Cincy. But I think that you just have to legislate or be kind of careful about how many minutes you're giving to players. All right, we, we'll, we'll go through one more question here. If he, were, if he um, could have played the full 90 minutes, I do think that there would have been a different scoreline. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. We're we're one hundred thousand percent better with him in. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to our next question, and uh, we'll, this will be the last one. It comes from Alex Niven, um, who has a big old ugly gator in his avatar profile, whatever it is nowadays. Um, good ox. Why was it raining? He asked. Dumb question. Much of what I would expect from a Florida grad. Um, good question, though. Real question. What is your preferred starting eleven for the next match? Um, it, it, does it look a lot the same? For you let's do let's do frank's 11 right okay because there's what frank wants and then there's what we sitting here on our couches want and those are two very different things yes they are i think frank um i think frank maybe rotate someone in and center uh maybe get zeke in there and i think that's it yeah i think uh i think remedy will start for adams mm-hmm. and i think that the thing is, does John come in? Does he does he think that Adam John is the better option at striker instead of uh, Manuel Castro? I could see, I honestly could see John coming in for, again, Rosetto. I'm going to go back to Rosetto. I just didn't, I don't know what he offered that game. Like, honestly, felt yeah. invisible to me. And maybe, I, I have not rewatched the game, so maybe I'll, if, after a rewatch, I'll think completely differently. But, um... I would put anybody in for Rosetto because like <laughs> so like somebody who could offer something. But I really did think that Adam John, for as limited as he is with his mm-hmm. feet, he did clearly offer the team a physical presence up top and somebody who they could aim crosses at. And even if he wasn't getting on the end of crosses like he did almost score in that last second, at mm-hmm. least he's creating chaos for the back line to have to challenge him in those situations that could lead to a second ball being picked up somewhere in the box or on the edge of the box that could allow for a shooting opportunity. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily be against Adam John putting Adam John in the lineup. I'm not necessarily against not him not being in the lineup either. I, I do just think that he offers something that clearly was not present in the game last night. And I could definitely I'm see awesome. Frank going to him. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked it didn't happen earlier, I think. This is a man who's a disciple of another Dutchman who once played Marilyn Fellaini at striker, uh, just for funsies, um, because he thought, I don't know, because it's still 1983. Um, so, I don't know. Can't teach tall. That's my take. Um God, I thought I thought that was going in though. I thought John had scored. I really did. I did too. As soon as it who, came off the head not, and was going yeah. right toward the corner, I was like, oh, it's in. Whoever not Luis Robles is in goal for uh, for Red Bulls had a pretty good game, admittedly. The guy, the guy looked it's like a very strange a, looking human. He looked like <laughs> the guy that they had in goal. I forget his name. He looked like Scott the, Farkas. What's his name? Real. Scott Farkas. Well, that's a perfect that's name because I was going to say yeah. that he's he looks like a guy from the old Nickelodeon show Salute Your Shorts, which was like a summer camp TV show. It looks that's like or like kids at a summer camp. Looks like uh-huh. a guy from that show, like grown up and playing amazing for the New York Rebels. Incredible, incredible. If it were up um, to me, I would like change a lot about the line. <laughs> I would go, like, again, like I would go to yeah. a back four. Yeah. Um, right now, I would like to see a back four with Anton Walks playing at left back, just because I feel like he's a strong, sturdy, technically capable defender and I don't think I I want him at left back because I would like George Bellow playing on the left wing 
And I would just not want George Bellow to be worried at all about defensive responsibility and just let him attack, um, let him create width on that left wing. Anton Wonks, even though he's right-footed, he can play left back and kind of tuck inside and help you maintain possession and help you do a lot of things from that uh, position. So I'd like to see him, and then obviously Meza and Robinson as the center backs. Probably Escobar or Brooks Lennon. Eh, yeah, Escobar mm-hmm. is probably the better right back. Um, but I would like to play like a 4-3-3 and kind of do it do it like that. I don't know if I need to go through every every single player. No, let's not do that. The Red Wolves, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Well, well, there you guys go. Um, go ahead and uh, if you don't mind, go ahead and check out the newsletter I've been sending out every day. Uh, you don't even have to really read it. You can just put it in your spam file. But the subscriptions make me look good. I've been loving it. Uh, I've subscribed yeah. to to it from all of my different email addresses, <laughs> and I encourage everybody to down to. Just subscribe, like w- refresh the page after you subscribe, refresh the page, and then just like enter in some whatever spam email address that you use. Enter that one in too. You know, just like enter in a bunch of email addresses. I, I love it. My heart is full. Thank you, Joe Patrick. Um, it's yeah, on, honestly, it's been out. great. You've been doing a great job. Appreciate that. Um, it, just search MLS kickoff, something will come up for it, I imagine. Um, Go ahead and follow us on Twitter as well at J underscore Sam Jones at J Patrick 200 at dirty South S O C. Um, and yeah, to keep checking out dirty South soccer, uh, look out for our stuff elsewhere. 1990 game, MLS soccer.com, AKA the mothership. Um, and we love you. We love you dearly. And we're glad you're back and you're going to be okay. And we're going to be okay. And everything is fine. Bye all. I'm so good at crashing and making sparks and shit, but then I'm a bad, I'm a bad, I'm a bad friend, so don't ask me where I've been, been avoiding everything, cause I'm a bad, I'm a bad, I'm a bad friend.